Apollo Leadership Podcast. We can know things in our head, but when they're not connected to those very difficult 12 inches of our heart, it changes how we perceive the world, how we perceive ourselves, and how we perceive whatever we're putting our hand to. What up, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Leadership Podcast. The mission of Bible Leadership is to bring you Bible-centric leadership tips and coaching that will foster greater confidence, improve your leadership instincts, and keep you leading from a heart that is connected to Jesus. Now, some of you know this about me, but I really want to see young women thrive in leadership. God has given so many gifts to gals, and I feel like sometimes we're operating at half power as a church when we're missing some of our ladies who should be in places of leadership. That's why I'm excited today to share with you my conversation with Aaron Thompson. Now, I've known Aaron Thompson for around two decades now, and what I love about Aaron is that she has been boldly showing up at the leadership table for pretty much that whole time. Even so, what's disarming is she has an awareness of her own shadow. God has taught her some powerful lessons, but it hasn't made her prideful. In fact, I think she would say it's done the opposite. In addition to being a wife and mother, Erin pastors with her husband at a campus of the chapel, a multi-site church in Lake County, Illinois. She's also a speaker and an author. And in fact, we're going to link to her Bible study course entitled Daughters, which is a video-based women's study curriculum on identity in Christ. Before we dive in, I just want to thank you for those who listen, for those who share, for those who support the BLP. Let me encourage you to go and get the show notes by subscribing on the website, BibleLeadership.com. These can be super helpful for reflection and getting the lessons deeper into your spirit. Now we've got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Aaron Thompson. I've known Erin for over 20 years, but it's such a privilege to have her on the podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Mark. I'm truly honored and I'm so excited to give a bit of a voice to all the women out there that are Come listening on. this. And before we even start, if you don't mind, Dude, do it I up. just want to say, women, you are welcome and wanted at the table. Yes. And so if you hear nothing else, I just want to know you have something valuable to contribute to the kingdom of God. You have said yes. You are needed, and I just want you to feel seen and heard, whether it's the struggles that you wrestle with as a young leader or a seasoned leader in your stage. But I just hope you leave today feeling encouraged, envisioned, equipped, and inspired. So I just want to say, hey, ladies, because I know that one of your kids might pipe up in a moment, and you might miss the rest of this podcast. Today, we're going to talk about overcoming insecurities as a female leader, I think it will definitely apply if you are a Christian leader in, you know, the marketplace. Definitely if you are a Christian leader in, you know, church spaces, I think you're going to get a lot out of our time today. Erin's given me three major lessons that she feels like God has really taught her uh, in the trenches of leadership over time. So we're going to start with number one. You have to know who you are in Christ. Erin, I know that Probably most Christian folks who've been in this for a while, they they said, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. But tell us what happened that that became such a pronounced lesson for you. Like, why is that the crucial kind of keystone mm-hmm. lesson that, that all gals need? Yes, well, I had this aha moment. I was in my mid-20s. And of course, as any mid-20s girl who's still single, she starts looking back at some high school photos. And all of a sudden, I came across this photo where I was going to prom with a bunch of my friends. And I had this kind of aha moment because, in all honesty, I'm going to go a little Teen Bot magazine on you here for a second, Uh men, but uh, we'll bring this around to a point. 
Needless to say, I look back at this photo of me going to prom and I look like all the other girls. Yet, that is not how I felt in high school. Okay. I felt taller, bigger, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, you name it. I felt three times, four times, whatever. But essentially, God used that moment to teach me that the reality was I had a false sense of myself. Mm. And that though I could say I knew in my head that Jesus loved me, I really struggled to receive God's love. I didn't feel loved by God. Yeah. Even though I knew that I was a child of God, I didn't feel like I belonged to a right, family. Right. And the challenge was, is I operated mostly out of a place like we can know things in our head, but when they're not connected to those very difficult 12 inches of our heart, it change, changes how we perceive the world, how we perceive ourselves, and how we perceive whatever we're putting our hand to. And so that moment of looking at a silly little photo, realizing that what most women have, some kind of physical insecurity of some kind, taught me that I had a false sense of myself. Mm. And it set me on a journey to really get to know who I am in Christ, whose I am and who I am and how he sees me and what he feels about me. Yeah. So that's that's so good, Aaron. So tell me how that impacts actual ministry that you're doing. So it was underdeveloped, mm-hmm. but I feel like mm-hmm. it, as you've talked about it, mm-hmm. you didn't get that revelation right away. Like you yeah. knew it, but you, mm-hmm. you didn't, it didn't mature in you in your 20s necessarily. We've talked a little bit about perfectionism, about some of the pitfalls that come with I don't totally know, you know, whose I am in Christ and, and how that works. What are some of the negative things that showed up in your life that were really a result of an underdeveloped sense of your identity in Christ? Right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit later, too, with wrestling with the insecurity. But it really does, when we don't have a secure sense of our identity in Christ, yeah. it really fuels um, a voice to all of our insecurities. It just kind of— It blows wind on the fire. It adds Mm -hmm. kindling to those lies, those labels that are already in our heart and our mind that we wrestle with as we try to do ministry, try to lead a family, get it wrong sometimes, get it right sometimes. But reality is is there becomes a script that we believe Mm -hmm. to be true. And if we don't have a strong foundation in understanding even basically who we are in Christ— and how he sees us, we can we can start to lead out of a place of the labels that we own, yeah. rather than leading to Jesus to even labeling the people yeah. that we're leading. Yeah, I know that you know the church. Hopefully, is a place where the right things are being messaged, and and the culture is reinforcing of like, hey, you know, yeah, make sure that you're getting your your identity from the right place. And I think there's a lot of places where that works really well. I think probably also because the enemy's in every place, there's other messages that maybe even the church is unwittingly giving us or expectations that we're receiving. Maybe they're not even stating so much, but it's what we see. Do you think it's possible ever that the culture of ministry itself exacerbates sometimes the the getting our identity out of Jesus and more into just stuff we do or what people think about what I did or— mm-hmm how what the attendance was or, mm-hmm. or, you know, is, in other words, ministry hopefully is, is helping us in a lot of healthy ways, but is there, is, is it ever a beast that kind of messes with it too? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, two things, I think for us gals, the biggest thing is just how visual all of our culture is. Social mm-hmm. media. Yeah. Um, I know friends who've turned it off because it wasn't helping. It was mm-hmm. hindering mm-hmm. how they saw themselves, how they saw their spouse, how they saw what they were contributing to the world. And I think when we have those insecurities in our identity, we end up comparing ourselves, whether it's in the church or outside the church, so frequently that we can see the pastor and his wife 
up on stage and the platform, and then we compare our relationship with our spouse to what they look like. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is we often compare our weaknesses to someone else's strengths. Yeah. My husband is a pastor and women come to me and say, he's such a great spiritual leader. Yeah. And he is a fantastic spiritual leader. However, there might be other skills that their husband has that my husband does not. I'm not going to allude to those because out of love and respect for my husband. It's hard to believe that there's any. There are none, David. <laughs> so, so needless to say, um, we just often compare our, yeah. uh, our weaknesses to other people's strengths. So whether it's in the church or whether it's on technology or whether it's when we pull up to the car park and everyone else's kids look well put together and our mm-hmm. daughter has messy hair, we can just really start to um, play into those insecurities if we're not confident of who we are in Christ. Yeah. Now— you started again over 20 years ago, I'm sure, like in volunteer capacities. Mm-hmm. Is it worse now? Is it harder now than it used to be then? Have, do, have you, do you feel like this has increased as as life has gotten more in front of other people, even like the secret parts of life or the what you what, what used to have been hidden? They didn't people didn't see you on your trip to the zoo and they didn't see you on wherever else you were going. They didn't see the frappuccino you were drinking. Do you think that's made it harder, mm-hmm. um, especially in the church world, to resist? just getting our identity in things and applause and likes and hearts? Yeah, I definitely think it's an uphill battle because we have such a, we're so visual. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just think it's a bit of a bombardment. And even today, even though I've grown in a lot of my identity in Christ, I still can find myself scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Instagram and comparing myself or um, and beating myself down in the midst of that, yeah. whether it's a leader or, quite frankly, church comparison. Yeah, oh, they're doing sure. this, doing that. Oh, yep, yep. we're not doing this. We're not doing that. Oh, and then there is that spirit of competition and yep. comparison that is bred instead of just, yep, yep. hey, Lord, this is the lane you've called me to, and I'm just going to stick here, and we're just, we're moving forward one step at a time. Yeah. And, and I just, sometimes we just have to put our blinders on yep. when we know what we're sensitive to, but other times, you know, we don't want to just disengage altogether because we also know people are watching and we have a chance to live a life and be a light yeah. through those mediums as well. I think you're right. I heard that Eugene Peterson used to say that church comparison is ecclesiastical pornography. It's it's something we don't recognize as coveting, It's but it's totally detrimental mm-hmm. to the soul. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what does the devil do to help foster this lack of, like, why don't we just get it? Like, especially gals, why, why don't they just, why is, why is it always something that we have to resist? Why, um, like, what is the enemy trying to tell us that keeps us from just, oh, dude, like, I'm just God's and, and I'm just, I'm just his boy. I'm just his girl. I don't need to add anything to it. Mm-hmm. What, what does the devil do to try to get us out of that? Mindset. Right. Well, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, I have a high productivity bent. Yeah. And so often just the enemy will start to say what you do is more important than whose you Mm -hmm, are. mm -hmm. And when we have dreams and we have goals and we know that Christ can do all things and all things are possible. And then when we have a bad day and we experience some defeat of some kind, we can just go down this negative spiral. Well, I didn't step up here. I didn't step up there. One of the most crucial lessons for me in learning who I am in Christ was I thought he thought I was a failure. You thought Jesus thought that? That's what I thought. Wow. Well, and here's the reason. Because I knew enough truth to knew that there was a certain life God invited me into, equipped mm-hmm. me for, and envisioned for me. The quiet times, the Bible times, the prayer times, 
the disciplined times, the undisciplined. And I knew this life. I knew I could be yoked to him and abide in him. But when I had little kids, that time with him was so scarce. The volume in my house was so loud that I couldn't Mm. quiet my spirit to hear from it. It is an extremely stretching season to try to abide in the Lord. And so the challenge is, I just felt like I kept letting him down. Like, oh, I know you want to meet with me. I know you love me, Lord. And you want to speak to me. And I... I just couldn't sit down. Yeah, yeah. And so the challenge was, I just felt like I was a letdown to yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like you almost know too much truth, too much of the good things that God has for you. And if you're not measuring up to stepping into those, to doing those things on a regular basis or what have you, I remember I, I would offer to pray for people, but I would always forget to pray. So yeah. now what happens instead of saying, I will pray for you, I just pray right then, whether yeah. it's in a Facebook feed or a message feed or right then so that I don't forget right. and therefore feel like I failed. failed. Yep, yep, yep. And so the reality was is I knew the discouragements or the sins that I carried and I just saw it like that's how I saw myself mm-hmm. and I thought that's what God saw when he looked at me. And so when I came across this passage in Isaiah, I believe it's 61, it just says, I have arrayed you in robes of righteousness and I have clothed you with salvation. And when I realized that a robe is what you wear and that's what people see first and that that's how God saw me, it was was a game changer for me. Because all of a sudden, knowing that my Father in Heaven didn't look down on me as a letdown or as a failure, all of a sudden freed me up Mm -hmm. to really see who I was in His eyes. And so that was kind of a... That was a pivotal moment for me as I studied the scriptures and where I really started to come alive is that Jesus does not see me as a failure. He doesn't see me as letting him down as I would try, but then fall down once again. But the reality is, is just something was unleashed that day in me and it freed my soul to really go, oh, I'm free to fail. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he gets it. These people in the Bible aren't all that cleaned up and put together, and they're not all that perfect, and he still used them, and he still wanted them, and he still moved through them to do the immeasurable because the reality is it's about him and not about me. Sister, you're speaking my language. I think there's so many gals, moms that are getting helped right now because I think that's how they feel. I hear that so often mm-hmm. that I'm I'm a disappointment somehow to mm-hmm. Jesus. There's some, mm-hmm. there's some, even I know, I believe that he loves me, but he's still just kind of disapproving of this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but some of the things you're, you're saying are, it wasn't just that you oh, you had a quiet time. You had revelation mm-hmm. of a particular passage yes. that the Lord had shown you, mm-hmm. like, no, Aaron, like, he has to answer that thing that's wrong in your heart mm-hmm. through personal time with him. Mm-hmm. Let me teach you mm-hmm. how I apply this robe to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons the devil tries to keep everybody so busy is so that they don't, and, and I even think we have, we have a shallow version of what we think quiet times even are sometimes. Of, oh, I'm just going to read it instead mm-hmm. of, I have, a, I have a wound here, mm-hmm. and I need God to speak yeah. his word over that particular wound for this particular person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I went that day. I was preparing a, a discipleship lesson for a group of high school girls. And the crazy idea occurred to me that I have a white robe at home, and I'm going to go put it on. And then all of a sudden, I looked at myself in the mirror. Mm. And then I realized, if this is what God sees, this is what I should see when I see myself. And when I got to those group of girls, I had scrounged up any type of white fabric, white cloth, because, of course, we didn't have enough money. I was mostly a stay-at-home mom. And um, and I, I asked them to hold it up over themselves somehow. And I said, let's look around the room, too, and realize this is what God sees Woo. when he looks at us. And this is what we should see when we look at each other. Yeah. 
not our faults. That's good. You know, not not our unforgivables or not our, you know, our deficits, but we can see what's beautiful and purposeful and the potential in each other and encourage that in one another. So what would you tell some young gals who are, you know, they're gifted, they've got ideas, they're moving forward, they're, you mm-hmm. know, they're climbing up in leadership, but this is a gnawing issue in their heart. What practical advice would you just say, hey, lady, whatever you do, don't wait 15 years to to do something about this like this. Right. Well, I think if you resonate with like having maybe a negative sense of spirit of competition or you really find yourself comparing yourself all the time, you, f- you find that when you look at other places or people or ministries, you're more critical than encouraging. Mm, it might on. be a symptom of insecurity and therefore it probably means we have some form of identity crisis. Yeah. And so what I would really encourage you is to wrestle through those insecurities. And it can be as easy as sitting down with a journal and saying, this is, dear Father, this is what I am struggling with today. And then wait and listen and then just start to write as if he's writing to you and write whatever comes to your heart, comes to your mind. Yeah. And if it's you, if it's your voice, you know, so be it. But we, we try to foster hearing from the Lord. There are so many more resources out there too these days. I mean, we, I mean, we got Lauren Daigle saying, you saying, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's billboard top, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so really this theme of identity has really been coming. I've, I've been seeing it in other forms of cultures, whether it's hill songs, I am who you say I am, but sit in songs like that, worship in those moments and go, God, who do you say I am? Look for scriptures. Who am I? You can start in 2 Corinthians 6, 18. It says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons yeah. and my daughters. Hey. And for any men leaders out there too, your identity is not in what you bring to the church. Your identity is as a son of the king. Come on. And I have three sons and I really hope that they get this. Y'all getting some medicine today. I hope you like this. <laughs> and for us women, we are daughters and we can pray not to the Lord, but we can pray to our daddy. Yeah. And if you're having a hard time relating, because I know the father thing can be a big issue for women, whether your father wasn't present, whether your father was absent or just uh, emotionally or otherwise, it can really be a hurdle to us experiencing whose we are and yeah. how he sees us. And so I would start there. Yeah. I am a daughter of the king. I am a child of God. And what is that? What does that look like in Scripture? There are a lot of different studies. You can find themes of identity in, in so many places. I do have a resource, a Bible study that we've been doing, but I'm not here to really Well, I was going to say, I heard about this incredible <laughs> Bible study called Daughters by Aaron well, Thompson. I was really trying to avert it, but then when you said how, I was like, well, I think what I love about Daughters is it wasn't just a message I wrote, but it was a message that was written on me. And yeah. so I hold it Come very on, dear to my heart, and and I just don't think— I just saw Tammy Chapman posted today. Just again, you are so loved on her social media. And I just think um, if God is love and if we connect with God, if we know how to connect with his love, man, all the other pieces are going to start to fall into place. Well, folks, thanks again for joining us. Once again, thank you for sharing on social media. If you want more content like this, don't forget that you can find more spiritual leadership content at BibleLeadership.com. And another way you can support the BLP is by picking up some swag like t-shirts or sweatshirts. You can do that by going to BibleLeadership.com and clicking on the resources tab. Also, if you'd like to support the BLP more directly, consider signing up to be a patron. You get early access to the podcast for the first tier of support, which is only $3, and the rewards go up from there. You can check that out at Patreon.com slash BibleLeadership. Now, don't forget, part of leading is cooperating with God and 
as he grows us up. That means we do our best to submit with a good attitude, even when we're in difficult circumstances that we would not have chosen. God, in his heart of love, is playing the long game with us. He cares more about who we're becoming than how fast we get something done. Choose integrity and faithfulness, and this whole thing is going to pay off. We need you to become who you're supposed to become. So stay close to Jesus and stay in the Word. We'll see you next time. 